We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have a young rising Twitch streamer joining us this week, which is good timing as we'll talk about. He also has done a lot of commentating for chess.com on events like Title Tuesday and the Pro Chess League. He's a strong blitz player who recently played a role in the much discussed chess.com I am not a GM championship. Um, he um, has hosted a show that I enjoyed called Postmortem that I'll be asking him about uh, that takes a lighthearted look at chess news. He also does some chess coaching and runs scholastic programs in my beloved New York City. So not bad for a 24-year-old. And now here he is joining us on Perpetual Chess. Levy Roseman, how are you, sir? I'm good, Ben. Thanks so uh, thanks so much for having me. And as we were discussing before we went live, it's a, it's a great week to have linked up, I think. Yeah, absolutely crazy times, especially in your little corner of the chess universe. I mean, of course, all all corners are adjacent in chess, but Twitch chess is going crazy lately. So for listeners who may not be up on all of the changes in Twitch, Twitch, the chess Twitch world, Levy, what's, what has caught your interest in recent weeks and months? Well, 
Twitch chess has always been, um, you know, it's been a budding community. Uh, it's had, I would say, two booms, really. The first big one was when um, Hikaru started live streaming a, a whole lot more. Uh, that was right around when the 2018 World Championship was happening. There was a day when chess.com was the most viewed uh, stream just in Twitch period, which, you know, for those of you that don't know, uh, all video games on Twitch have... I mean, I want to say hundreds of thousands of viewers every single day. There's channels with millions of followers and chess.com, despite kind of being like the premier destination of top level events, uh, you know, only still to this day, doesn't even have 200,000 followers on Twitch. So that was one. And the second one is right now. Uh, and it's being led by none other than Hikaru, who has linked up with a you know, bunch of different uh, massive uh, video game streamers and variety game streamers. And the past like few weeks, he has exploded. I think he went from something like a hundred. I, I, I'm going to you know butcher the numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but he's doubled his you know uh, follower count basically from something like 150 thousand to 300 thousand um, in a matter of weeks. And you know the response hasn't been fully positive, Ben. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. So you mentioned Ben, <laughs> the response not being positive, Ben, um, for, for listeners who are less online, part of uh, what Levy's referring to is uh, Ben Feingold made some comments about sort of Hikaru um, bringing in new people to the chess community. He's been very welcoming to these extremely popular uh, Twitch streamers, often with video game backgrounds, Hikaru has, but Ben made some comments that he has since apologized for that maybe weren't um, as welcoming. Um, and for listeners, I, I was also saying to Levy right before we, we pressed record um, that I feel like things are changing so fast. So we should make a quick note that it is May 27th and this will be coming out six days from now. So if anything insane has happened in the, the subsequent six days, we apologize. But so Levy, you're um, obviously, you know, you're a pretty popular twi uh, Twitch streamer, especially for a young guy. And it seems like your following is growing. So when something like that happens at the top level with Hikaru's uh, number of followers doubling, how does that impact your streaming? Well, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm very happy uh, because on, on Twitch, there's, you know, first of all, like the very, very mechanical aspect of it is when you're done with a stream, let's say you have 10,000 people, you don't just you know, shut it off uh, in the chess world. Uh, we really like to kind of keep it going. Uh, we like to do what's called rating people, which is when, you know, you send all of your viewers to another channel. And these things are, are usually coordinated in advance, um, you know, in particular on Hikaru's channel, uh, you know, uh, Twitch superstar, uh, whether you know her or not, Chesbay94, she kind of like, she, she, she is like the, the wizard uh, behind the curtain of that channel. Uh, and so she coordinates different channels and helps them grow and uh, and set up all sorts of things for people to feel welcome uh, wherever they end up. So if Hikaru's channel, Alexandra Botez, myself, Daniel Naroditsky, these are just some of the few names. And um, that's, you know, that's that's really it. I love it because I don't even have to stream now to gain subscribers and followers. Offline, people are finding their way to my YouTube channel, my Twitch channel. They're going, oh, you know, like, this is great. I really love, I, I really like this guy. I'm going to hang around here, get some tips. Uh, dabble a little bit. My favorite thing personally is um, the people who used to play chess in their childhood, you know, haven't played it for 20 years. And here they are back on Twitch. They had no idea this category existed and they're really excited to get back into it and learn. Yeah, I feel like that's a slept on demographic. I mean, I've certainly come across a lot of them, like just from emails to uh, listeners to this podcast. And as you say, that's got to be expanding now. I mean, everyone's stuck at home. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, and, and activities from your childhood often have that sort of special place, you know, they, they take you back to that moment. So it's, um, I'm sure a lot of people like get nostalgic feelings and then can dig back in while, while they're unable to leave their houses. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, I, I'm, I am sure this has been a talking point here. Uh, it's, it's good for chess because chess is very accessible. All you really need is a, a bit of a weak internet connection and just about any live chess platform. So when I lived in New York, I had exactly that, a weak internet connection. I don't know how oh, yours I, is. I, 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 am a, I bought a hundred foot ethernet cable. <laughs> so it kind of spans the whole house. It's like taped across like every, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, the only person that is close to me that has ever stayed at my apartment is Eric Rosen. And I made him sign an NDA to never disclose how disgusting this apartment is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic 24-year-old New York living. It's, it shouldn't be any other way, Levy. Um, yeah. So you got into streaming. I, I read an interview with you um, with Sam Copeland from Chess.com um, from a while back that I'll be referring to a couple times because it did give me a little more background about you. So you got into streaming uh, about two years ago. Is that right? Or is that outdated now? Yeah, February 2018. Uh, and I mean... It had been in the works for quite a long time, but just like anything massive, uh, as like a massive undertaking that I've never, you know, you never do before, it gets postponed, things get in the way, you get a bit lazy, you get nervous. Uh, so when I actually first started this idea, I wasn't even the, the guy who streamed on the channel. Um, two of my friends uh, actually streamed on the channel. I'll shout them out. Alex Ostrovsky, Alexis Paredes. Alexis Paredes was actually in uh, Brooklyn Castle. I remember him in that movie. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm friend, knew Elizabeth back then, so... Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so he's yeah, actually I, my roommate. Oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we had this channel, uh, Crew64. I was, I know, I wanted to name the channel 8 Squared because I just thought it was really clever. But all right, we're, we're not going to dwell on that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the two of them just booted up one day. You know, they came home, truth be told, from a bar, like pretty drunk. And we're mm -hmm. like, let's play some Bullet at 2 a.m. And, and live stream it. Uh, and then it's just been you know, it's been kind of me since then. I just, I, I started doing it. I was, you know, I loved it. Um, I started at 9 p.m. and ended at 4 a.m. Some, some nights when I, when I was first getting this underway. And it's, it's so crazy to me. Like, I can't even think to a time when this online chess world was not part of my life. Like, I, I don't remember it because uh, that's not how I started. And the past two years have, I mean, they've changed my life. Like, you know, for lack of a more or less cliche statement. Uh, now there's just such a huge world and it's amazing to be part of the first wave. Cause I think if I started right now, I would be hopeless. I, I it would not, you know, with, with just what's out there and so many different ways to get content. I don't think I would have had such a successful start. Yeah. I'm blown away every time I log on to, um, to Twitch chest, which is a lot more than it used to be again, now that we're staying home and now that I've interviewed, um, people like yourself and uh, Gold Dust Tory and Eric Rosen, of course. Um, I, I at least like to pop on and just see who's streaming and like sort of look at the, you know, voyeuristically look at the view counts and, you know, um, maybe watch for a couple minutes. Um, and it, it is amazing to see to see how quickly it's growing, but also just how 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 many strong players are streaming. But also they whenever I pop in, they all tend to be pretty compelling too. You know, people are all offering different things. I want to say, by the way, I like the name Gotham Chess a lot. That was a good choice. Thank you. I get a lot of flack uh, because actually it turns out that uh, Batman was filmed in Chicago. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. So actually it's Gotham like Chicago. It's it's it's, it's themed after, not New York. But um, yeah, 
believe it or not. Man, I feel like in in the American lexicon, New York is known as Gotham, but yeah, I would have thought it. You know, but I, as a New Yorker, I always think New York is kind of the center of the universe. I compare everything to New York, mm-hmm. um, so I thought that was just me, but it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> so, were you? Did you go to college, Levy, or were you just kind of? Uh, for lack of a better term, farting around and doing chess stuff. I know you've been teaching chess for a long time. No, I did. Uh, I was, uh, I, I, my, I finished high school, I should say, the last two years in New York City. I'm not going to get into the complexities of having divorced parents and three households uh, growing up, but I finished 11th and 12th grade in, uh, in Forest Hills uh, in Queens. And I, I had different options for college, but I, I was a, you know, I did, had no idea what I wanted to do. And my family said, just stay here, go to Baruch College. I got the honor scholarship, so I actually didn't have to pay for college. I was very fortunate. Um, And Baruch was interesting. Uh, It was a commuter school, so no dorms, you know, not really much campus life. And actually, while I was in college, I mean, I was, I thought I was going to have some sort of, you know, career in finance, consulting. Um, But I discovered in freshman year of college that teaching chess in New York is great. It's like one of the best markets to do it. Uh, you can be compensated in ways, you know, you didn't think imaginable. And since freshman year of college, I was, I was working at different schools and you know, teaching privately, but my sophomore year of college, I, I've always been this kind of person. I can't work for people. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I can't do it. Like I need to be running the project. I need to be managing all sorts of different things. Uh, and so, yes, my, my sophomore year of college, I um, reached out to 40 different private schools uh, and I got uh, kind of the head coaching gig uh, of, uh, of a private school. And I've been there ever since. And, you know, we started with about 10, 15 kids in fall of 2015. And now we're up to something like a hundred, you know, playing in total across the school and yeah, like 50 rated, 40 rated students. We won cities. We won the city championship, like a subsection, not the open section, uh, for the, you know, true professionals who are listening. Uh, we did (laughs) win a subsection, but, uh, and we even won States. We won like the under 1000, uh, state championship. So, pretty amazing, you know, and, and this has opened, uh, a ton of doors and I, I ended up actually not recruiting for banking or for any of that stuff and focusing on this. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure the Twitch is a nice supplement, which we'll get back to in a minute, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just as someone who used to teach chess in New York, I, I got, you know, we know a lot of the same people and I'm just, I'm always amazed. First of all, I mean, as you say, you you can, you can make a a respectable living. Uh, Chess is very respected and every school has a program there. So that's nice to see, but also as a teacher, I, I mean, it's because every school has a program, it can also be more competitive. Do you, do you experience that side of it as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was definitely motivated by the fact that you know, there's a lot of really, really good programs out there. And I think you just have to be confident, uh, as a coach and as a manager of people, like I, you know, my first wave of getting students to a tournament, I was keeping in touch with, with parents who were part of the after school program on a weekly basis, filling them in on what we're working on and just getting the kids motivated, honestly, like it, like it's a lot of different components that you need to have, I think as a, as a teacher and also as a person, when you, when you bring these kids like to, to these tournaments uh, and it's great, you know, they look at you for inspiration, uh, motivation, and uh, also just introducing the parents to the chess world in general is, is a whole project in and of itself. So definitely, uh, definitely was kind of internally competitive. Like I want to do better than some of these programs that have been around for 20 years, you know? Right. Um, And that's been, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And I'm guessing like it didn't hurt you get your foot in the door. I mean, you were probably an FM when it started, but you're an IM now. So, I mean, not, that's certainly um good feather in your cap to uh, to attract students and um, help get more uh, schools and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, a lot of the parents in the program uh, put together like a fund for me to play tournaments and take lessons. Oh, that's my, awesome. Who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's I, I like made basically like a like a fundraiser. I was like, hey, you know, I this is like a huge part of my life and I can only really do it in this set of months when I'm not teaching your kids, but it's extremely expensive. Uh, so if there's anything you guys can do and yeah, they were very, very kind, very welcoming. They wanted me like make a blog and everything, keep them all posted. And um, I haven't done that for Grandmaster, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> in the fu- maybe in the future. Yeah, we have a question actually um, from a listener of the podcast. So I'm, I'll just hop in and read it now. Um and we'll come back to the other part of his question now, I mean, later. So this is from a friend of the podcast, Chris Wayne Scott, who a lot of listeners will have heard um, because he helped me out when we talked about uh, Bobby Fischer goes to war. Um, and Chris says, Levy, um, first of all, my question presumes that you plan on actively pers- pursuing the GM title. If so, how do you balance the desire to continue to go- grow and improve, not to mention pay the bills with, uh, with your other work, Twitch, YouTube and teaching? Sure. Um, well, I guess first and foremost, at the moment, I'm not even thinking about the GM title. Uh, I, I'm very like open with you know about this on my stream. I even have a command. You know, uh, it's. I'll be completely honest. I, I've I've had a very weird relationship with competitive chess. Like my 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 whole life, I've I've qu- I quit it several times when I was a teenager. Uh, I've always needed time off to kind of re reignite a passion for it. Uh, and, uh, I, I never even thought I was going to become an international master, honestly. Uh, and then in 2016, 2018, I, I somehow just had this period of growth. Like, I don't know, as a person, as a chess player, uh, maybe psychologically, my mental health and I, I hit my goal and it, it's weird because once I hit, I am, I was 24, 30, like that's a very respectable rating. And then I lost 90 points the rest of the summer. And there's nothing I chalked that up more to than, it felt like that was it. Like, you know, you, you cashed out. That was my life goal. It felt like, and since then I, I have not had this fire in me that I, that I need to become a grandmaster. It, it comes in waves, but it's still so it's as foreign to me right now as being an IM was when I was 2200 and maybe in the future that will change. And I will, you know, I'll really, really work hard. And, but, but when that does, I feel like all my focus will need to be on that. Cause right now that is, you know, that's, I'm do I'm you know I'm still doing things outside of chess like you know to earn a living and and um uh and and that's probably not going to help when you're trying to get the GM title. If if you don't mind my asking, is that like by financial necessity or personal interest or like a combination of the two that you're still doing chess out stuff outside of chess? Uh that's no, that's yeah, that's strictly for. I guess, well, m- making a living, I, you know, I, I don't know if making a living means like I, I need to do this other stuff or else like I won't be able to pay the rent. Like, no, I, I yeah, it's just, just for financial, like long-term. Um, it's a, it's a college, college admissions consulting company that okay. I'm kind of the, uh, I don't do the consulting, but, um, you know, we, I'm kind of managing all sorts of our operations. I do everything basically besides like the accounting uh, and the consulting with the students, but I just do this because I really, really like to keep busy. Um, wow. <laughs> That'll yeah, do it. I, yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, earning, earning, earning money is, is like good, obviously, but uh, it's not something like I'm doing, you know, because I, because I have to, um, I took, I took it on because 
it, it sounded great. And I thought the compensation was fair. And I, and I'm looking, you know, four or five years down the line, can we turn this into, you know, a million dollar revenue business? So, uh, just, uh, yeah, trying to keep my brain occupied, I, I guess. Good for you. Yeah. And, and getting back to the GM thing, I mean, I definitely, I, I mean, I, I'm not in your shoes. I'm not even remotely close to being a GM, but I, it's, I, it strikes me as, um, I, it's rare that I hear someone that honest about just sort of just how big a mountain it is to climb and like it, it not really being, you know, the right time, or at least you're not having the motivation at this exact moment to pursue it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, well, you, you're definitely going to get honesty for me. <laughs> I, uh, that I'll, yeah, that, that's honestly the best summary I can give you is that I never thought I could be an IM. And so when I hit it, the first instinct was not, okay, now I got to become a grandmaster. It was, holy shit, I'm an IM. Like, wow, I never thought I was going to get this far. But and- you seem pretty strong for an IM. I mean, you're, you're, I, of course, I was scouting everyone for the I am not a GM tournament just because that really piqued my interest. So, I mean, I know your blitz, your blitz rating is is pretty strong. I know you're in there doing some blindfold small simuls on your Twitch stream. Like, yeah, I mean, it seems like you're you're. It shouldn't have been such a shock for you for you to get the IM title. Yeah, well, in hindsight, for sure, uh, and definitely in my peak, you know, twenty seven hundred blitz, twenty eight hundred bullet. Like, I, I I can you know I can really turn it on, but I I, I definitely feel like streaming this much. And doing so much online content uh, does not help with classical chess, uh, and maybe the classical in, in particular. I will reiterate, uh, rapid and blitz definitely. But um, I, I I have not been able to study in a fruitful way while being a full time streamer, and it's unfortunately over the board chess does not reward you anywhere near you know financially, frankly, emotionally. I, I hate classical chess. <laughs> like oh, it's. Dear. Yeah, and 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 it reminds me almost of um, when mixed martial artists say that, like George Saint Pierre, who's arguably one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. He says he hates fighting. He 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 hates, like he hates to fight, but he loves the sport. And he loves that everything is done for him, uh, and he loves you know the training and everything like that, and and being you know physically fit. But five six day tournaments are exhausting. I mean, they are so, so draining. You gain weight or you lose weight, right? Because you're not eating a whole lot. You barely sleep. Uh, God knows what, you know, it's going through your head. You play chess eight to 10 hours a day. So, but when you're winning, it's great. That's that's the counterbalance. Uh, but I, I haven't experienced the good tournament in a very long time, which I think makes it difficult to want to come back in many ways. Yeah, it's reminiscent of uh, the writer's mantra. Like, I hate to write, but I love to have written. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. just want it to magically be done, yeah. And I'm with I'm with you on classical chess. I mean, I didn't hate it, you know, when I was playing it a lot. But now the thought of of sitting there for, especially just the length of the games. I mean, it's just it seems like it's from another era, you know. At least to me personally. No offense to the listeners. I know there's lots of listeners who who still get into it, but um, for for me, it's um, yeah, it's it's just too much time. Absolutely. Like I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how things change. I mean, I, I do think I um, mentioned recently. I mean, I think things might speed up a little bit, even when we get back to OTB chess, whenever that is. Yeah, when we get back, I mean, I'm I'm obviously looking forward to to playing some over the board tournaments, maybe doing some travel. Uh, playing all over the world is 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 definitely fun, uh, but everything behind the scenes and even at the board is so, so draining for me. 
I, I definitely have to get in better physical shape. I have to eat better, you know, exercise, sleep better, uh, which is good in and of itself. And uh, if it has a positive effect on my chest, then excellent. Yeah. I mean, and you, meanwhile, you live in New York. So once things reopen, you can, um, you know, just if you just get inspired on a Thursday night, you can go play strong players. Yes, yes. Having said that, I have an inside joke with my girlfriend now that every time we take our evening walks, it's just our daily exposure. Yeah, God knows what is is truly going on. And, you know, the, the state of when we can go, I, I don't know when the next time I'm going to go outside without a mask is. I haven't done yeah. that in two months. So, yeah. Yeah. And of, of course, New York got hit especially hard. Um, so, I mean, how does that just from a personal standpoint, not so much a chess standpoint, like, did, did you have people you knew who, who were dealing with the virus? I mean, of course, we both probably know or at least are familiar with Irina Crush, but like mm-hmm. beyond the chess community, did you just feel it everywhere in New York? No. Um, I mean, I, I just took necessary precautions. Uh, my grandparents, when uh, they live in New Jersey, uh, in the suburbs, they were you know basically begging me to come stay with them and quarantine with them. And I was like, are you nuts? Like, huh. I, you know, I love you guys, but you're in your seventies. I mean, right. God, forbid, God forbid I bring you the virus, you know? Uh, but my grandmother, uh, the past three weeks has made trips to New York to drop off just a huge chunk of groceries to both me and my mom and my little brother, uh, in Queens. And, you know, I love her. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, but I really wish she wouldn't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But luckily, no, luckily nobody I know. Um, I had a friend who was like, I probably had it. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, it's yeah. easy to just say that stuff. Yeah, I, we we've all we all have friends who say that, and you know, it could work, could very well be true. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anyway, I'm glad glad to hear you're staying healthy, and it seems like New York is is slowly on the mend, which of course I'm glad to to see. So, uh, just kind of tying a bow on the Twitch topic before we get to some some of your vast other chess work, Levy. So. What's, do you have like, you mentioned a business plan for the business you're helping out with. Do you have like a Twitch business plan? Do you have a goal in mind or you just kind of just try to put in as many hours as you can and, and see what happens? That's always been my goal. Yeah. Uh, it's very, it's very, very different uh, than, than any sort of business plan outside of it has been, uh, you know, I'm going to come back every month uh, and, and work as hard as I can. Uh, I've had a few months where first of all, physical health, like my, my back was in bad shape. I, I couldn't stream. I was, it was just very painful, frankly. Uh, and then you know, some other things like you get caught up in the numbers game, uh, definitely right. of, 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 you need constant growth. And if you don't have it, it's not there. And, you know, dealing with a lot of different people, personal relationships. Uh, so for physical and mental health, uh, I've had a few, you know, setbacks, but right now it's, it's going great. Like I'm just grinding all the time. And I've always been of the mentality that if it, if it stops being, fruitful. If it's, I, I don't see growth for a month or two, I, you know, I'm going to have to dial it back. Uh, but to supplement that in the past few weeks, I've, I should say past few months, uh, I made some openings courses and I, I play those a lot on stream, you know, for the, for the average viewer, just to kind of show different approaches to the opening, uh, leaving theory early, you know, different aggressive positions, dynamic positions. And I'm just trying to put a lot of effort into like YouTube projects and chess projects that are beyond uh, what my dad calls uh, digital panhandling. <laughs> my dad refers to Twitch as that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a digital panhandler of a different sort, so I, I could definitely yeah. relate. My, uh, my, my dad is always kind of like, you know, you just kind of have to sit there for hours uh, and hope that people donate. And 
that's, I mean, to be perfectly honest, that's kind of what it is. You know, there's no guaranteed revenue. A lot of people have this perception that chess.com gobbles up all of us and pays us money to stream on their platform. No, maybe a few of us who have huge followings, but no, you know, we just kind of rely on the community. Um, so that's always been my approach. That's why I made the openings courses. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get some residual income once I get a big YouTube channel. And uh, But right now I'm really motivated and I'm, you know, I'm working as hard as I can. And do, and do you have any advice for the many, um, you know, people starting to stream around now, all the people nipping at your heels, um, um, joining the second wave? Do, what advice would you give to aspiring Twitch streamers? Whew, I get asked this question a lot on, on, on my channel. Um, actually, I get, a, I, I, get, I get a very similar question. Uh, and it's like, hey, I'm just getting into chess. What should I do? And I say, don't do it. Right. Yeah. I used um, to say that about poker. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, frankly, that, that kind of is my answer. Uh, it's not what you want to hear. Uh, that, that's my answer because you can dedicate thousands of hours to this game and get nowhere. Uh, honestly, right now, Twitch is so saturated, so, so, so saturated. Uh, and it's very difficult even to build personal relationships with people close in the community just because there's already so much in place. And if you're really, really motivated, you really want to work hard, uh, you cannot get frustrated. Like you're, you're going to have to deal with the fact that you, you're getting nothing. I mean, you're getting nothing out of it for months and you have to stream long hours and it doesn't seem like you're going to get growth. Uh, so my, my biggest piece of advice, if you, if, if you get past me saying don't do it, is if you're going to do it, really, really uh, stick to it and, 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 and be able to absorb, you know, emotional drainage and just, you know, feeling like you're not getting anywhere. Having said that, on the back end of that, you also have to know when to stop, right? Ultimately, right. You, you I mean, or you could just do it strictly for fun. like Right, yeah. Like Magnus streamed last night, and he's telling everyone, uh, don't don't subscribe. You know, <laughs> like you, you don't have to give me money. This is just a one-off thing. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's just different when you're, I mean, if you're the world champion and your sponsorships and all this stuff, you could say, you, know, you could... You could spend six to eight hours just literally insulting everybody under the sun. Like Ma- Magnus, the kind of guy who could insult anybody, and people find a way to find it hilarious anyway. You right. know, um, so he's in a he's in a good position where he's always got like the dry humor backing him up. But yeah, you've got to be personable, charming, and just do something that other people aren't doing on Twitch, and that's hard. It's it's really hard right now in Twitch chess. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's the impression I get <laughs> whenever I check it out. And again, it's a testament to the work that people like you are doing because it's it it is entertaining. But yeah, there's definitely no shortage of options. Yeah. So you mentioned catching on with uh, Chess.com, Levy. I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I'm going to take a break to hear from our friends at Chessable. Listeners, if you haven't picked up the Magnus Touch Chess Strategy from Chessable.com, please know that it is still on sale. It features four and a half hours of instruction from Magnus Carlsen sitting with I am John Bartholomew. He analyzes 10 of his best games from 2004 to 2020 with exercises from an additional 44 games for a total of 54 of Magnus's best games using Chessable's Move Trainer technology to help you assimilate what you learn. So go to chessable.com and check out the Magnus touch. Okay. So Levy, we're back. And, um, I, so 
as I mentioned in the intro, I, I've enjoyed it when I've seen you do some announcing. You even got in the booth a little bit on the I'm not a GM, although, of course, it's tough when uh, Hess and Naroditsky are killing it um, in the broadcast booth. Um, but so how did that come about? How did you first get opportunities to do some some broadcasting for the Pro Chess League and Title Tuesday and all that stuff? Um, I think I honestly don't, don't quite remember what was the first event I did. I want to say that it was this arena Kings that chess.com was doing, uh, arena Kings. It doesn't exist anymore, but it, it was like one of their longest events, five seasons where it was like a one or two hour blitz arena with like, you know, cash prizes. Uh, I think that is how it started. And Are then you- I, yeah. Oh, sorry to cut you off. You already Twitch streaming at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for like three, four months. So it was this is like May 2018, June 2018. I joined the chess.com partner streamer program. Uh, and, you know, I, I spoke with Danny Wrench. He's like, hey, you know, I want to give you a couple of, couple of gigs. And in doing this like one or two months, uh, they they liked me. I mean, they, they you know, they liked my presentation style. Uh, they liked that I was, you know, very interactive with chat. Danny uh, complimented me on the fact that it, it seemed like I could manage a lot of different things. Like I, I didn't I didn't miss details. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's how, frankly, it's how I am as a, as a person. That's one of the reasons why it ties back to kind of everything I do. I like to be the guy that's, you know, in, in charge, like running, you know, running the program, looking at all the details, both small and, and, and the big picture. Um, and that it grew from there. I don't remember what, what came next, but, uh, up to this point, probably the, the biggest honor, you know, the biggest, uh benefit that came out of all this is I did some rest day recaps on the world championship match between Fabi and uh, Magnus. Um, and I've, I got to cover a couple of big tournaments like Grenke on my own Twitch channel, which was crazy because there was a day that if you went to twitch.tv, the homepage, I was the channel. Like you wow. saw me in the carousel um, and, you know, exposing thousands of people to Twitch chess, I should say chess on Twitch. So this is um, something that, you know, we were able to get for big events um, in, in 2019 as part of a, being a chess.com partner streamer. So it's been pretty incredible. And yeah, any event, Pro Chess League and, and Title Tuesday or whatnot, um, Game of the Day recaps on YouTube, for example, uh, they asked me to do it and, and I do it. Yeah, I enjoy. I caught your one today with uh, from Magnus's stream last night. That was a that was a fun recap um, for listeners. I mean, you guys might have seen that. There's a five minute highlight video that uh mr dodgy on twitter made so even if you didn't see any of magnus streaming you can watch this highlight and this uh this um brazilian grandmaster played this amazing checkmate against magnus and levy did a nice recap of it yeah it's honestly what makes this super fun for me uh i think that's just the number one reason uh i love to present chess in a clear and concise way uh, make it relatable tell jokes i have i will go on record and say that I have by far the best impressions game of any chess personality. Uh-oh. Uh, you, you know you got to do them now, right, Levy? Well, uh, well, <laughs> of course. But, um, you know, uh, Daniel Naradisky is very, very good at a few. Amon Hamilton uh, did a video for Chess Bra, I don't know, many years ago. I think he, it was. Yeah, he did a few on the podcast, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've recently discovered that uh, I can do a very good Peter Leko when I'm talking <laughs> about my games. That's yeah, good. so like, yeah, like. That's um, good. <laughs> uh, there, you know, there's a few. Um, my, my, obviously my, my favorite and fan favorite is, uh, I mean, okay, you have to talk like Alexander Grishuk and, uh, the very famous quote, uh, there is no even water in the toilet. So, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, <a great> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in the process of 
making a list of the, you know, the players that I do the most uh, and, and do them best. And I'm going to make a YouTube video in the form of like a dinner, you know, it's going to be like a oh, script wow. dinner. Yeah. It's like going to be like really funny. They're going to talk chats for like five, 10 minutes. And then I'm going to just put them all in there. I'm going to throw in in Anish Giri, Fabiano Caruana. I can't do Magnus. I can't quite nail his accent, but um, he's, yeah, I could see that would be a tough one. So I asked him on this too, but like, what are your, what are your tips for how to impersonate someone? I, this kind of, it like goes back to, I think me as a person, I don't have a structure to how I do this. Uh, I just kind of do it. And it's like Peter Lecco. I just one day did on stream and was like, Whoa, I can do Peter Lecco. <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea. I don't practice these things. Like I, um, it's a little embarrassing when, you know, you're asked to do one on stream and you can't do it. Chat's like, ah, that was really bad. I'm like, guys, like, I, I, don't, you get, I don't do this stuff behind the scenes. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not practicing. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I honestly, for that one, I, I, I don't think I can give, I can really give any advice. Watch a lot of interviews, maybe. Yeah, Leko, I can, I mean, what I'm not going to do an impersonation. It's <laughs> not my gig, but I could see how that one wouldn't be as challenging as some of the other yeah. ones. Because his accent is a bit, a bit lighter. Um, but yeah, you know, Rwanda, you've got to talk you know, like very slowly. And you know, there's, there's certain parts of their personalities and things that they say and their, their facial expressions that you can really nail. Like you can't see me right now, but like, you know, doing Jan Gustafsson, you've got to throw in that. And I mean, okay. Like you got to like, kind of like cut it. Like he, he kind of like yeah. breaks sentences a certain way. And um, yeah, I think that's a little yeah. bit of advice that I can give. Excellent. I enjoy it. Um, and w- Another thing, so getting back to Chris Wainscott, uh, Patreon supporter of the show's question, um, the other thing he said was also seriously get back to doing postmortem. And uh, postmortem was was or is. We're going to ask you about that in a second, Levy. But it's um, a, a sort of fun chess recap show, which I think is kind of lacking in the, the chess community. So, Levy, what's the story? Is it is it um, hibernating, dormant, or going strong? What's going on? I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, so the postmortem came about with probably – the same way all my ideas come about, I was walking down the street and I was like, damn, this is like kind of a good idea. <laughs> um, I, I thought it would be really great to have kind of a one-stop shop, 10, 15 minute video, um, kind of like a last week tonight style with Sean Oliver. Where, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, different things that are happening in the chess world, drama, just not getting into gossip and like, you know, who, romantic and all that crap, but you know, the real stuff like, uh, cause the chess world somehow I keep waiting for it to stop, but, it just doesn't. There's always something. Someone says something. Some we just can't knock it off ever. Yeah. We 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 are a prideful people, and um, and so I was doing this on Twitch for a little bit, live streaming it uh, on the Chess.com channel. Then I just moved it straight to YouTube, and uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that um, it, it was just a really big amount of work, uh, and. It, I, I just kind of got put on pause for now, but it's definitely not dormant. It's hibernating and probably I want to say in the next few weeks, we're going to launch it again and it will be on a weekly basis. I'll film wow. everything. Yeah. Cause I yeah. know how that stuff goes. I mean, I, cause I wasn't sure when I was watching it, um, like, is it chess.com like is chess.com underwriting it or is this like one of your, you know, your independent ventures? And obviously that makes a big difference in the sustainability of something like that, because uh, as you've mentioned, you're um, you're not not lacking for for things you could be working on. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm, I'm also not lacking of, you know, of opinions um, and saying exactly how I think about a situation. Uh, and, and, you know, when 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 chess.com helps me produce the show. Uh, if, if there's anything, uh, I, I, I do struggle with this a little bit. It's like, 
I want to give my completely honest assessment, uh, but at the same time, I don't want to throw anyone completely under the bus because like I said, chess people are very prideful and I still expect someone to come up to me somewhere, message me on some platform and say, why'd you say that like about me or it's happened. It happened with a, with a, I will not out anybody, but I said I was playing even blitz on my stream against a title player who teaches here in New York city and I said something, we got into some time scramble, you know, it wasn't even like he said or did anything. Uh, and the guy like threatened to come see me in person. Wow. Like, man. Yeah, so, um, and, you know, he's like, I'm also from New York. So I'm like, this guy teaches at Scholastic programs. What the hell's he doing? You know, right. like, uh, so that's kind of where I, I, I don't know. Like, I want to say exactly how I feel, but at the same time in, I'm just learning, you know, the politics of it all. And uh, you need to kind of also have a little bit of, journalistic, not integrity, but just kind of respectability. You want to be able to get interviews with people and talk to people in the future if I ever do choose to go to the journalism route. So yeah, I'm the learning. Whole, yeah, the whole thing is kind of delicate. And of course, that's sort of been brought to the fore with, uh, you know, speaking of these sort of little tiffs or whatever you want to call them, the whole chess.com and chess24 thing, which has, you know, came a few days before the aforementioned uh, Ben Feingold little dust up. And yeah, that, that stuff just kind of makes me sad overall. Like I just, I feel like it doesn't uplift, even though chess is growing quickly right now, which is great. Um, generally I don't feel like that stuff helps. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, the fans eat it up. Yeah. Uh, and I get that impulse. It's like, I'm still reading this, the, the same stuff as everyone else, you know, but, but I feel slightly guilty while I read it. Right, right, right. No. And I completely agree with you. Like I said, I'm a, back to mixed martial arts, probably my, my second favorite sport to follow behind basketball. That that's a sport where you need the traction. I mean, because ultimately people buy pay-per-views. We don't have that. All of our coverage is free. So, uh, getting like beef on social media is good for clicks, but beyond that, it doesn't, it doesn't translate into anything besides maybe eyeballs. It doesn't really, the players don't get paid more because of it or anything like that. So, it's fun uh, to, to observe, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I do think we, we all should get along a little bit better. Yeah. And you know, hopefully what's going on now, especially the chess.com chess 24 stuff is like uh, to some extent growing pains. I mean, I mean, both companies are just going gangbusters right now and it's just, there's some sort of decorum to be worked out that is kind of like a first world problem. So hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll just, um, get get squashed, and then we can continue to put on great events and continue to uh, you know get more people interested. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I'll just kind of chime in with this. I I I don't see it. Uh, I, I see it getting better, but I don't see it ever going away fully. Uh, especially with somebody like Magnus at the forefront. I mean, we're talking about a guy that you know. Just if I may get into detail with like the most recent thing, right, with Chess Twenty Four uh, and Hikaru. Um, so Hikaru agrees to play in the Lindoris Abbey event, right? That's being uh, streamed on Chess24. Uh, but his Twitch channel, which is exploding, you know, they want to follow his games. And Chess24 is live broadcasting on Twitch. So as it goes, I believe that, you know, the team or, or whoever's involved with, with Hikaru's Twitch channel uh, got in touch, was like, hey, can we broadcast the games on his channel, it's not going to be him. It's just you know, it's Alexander Botez and Robert Hess, two of the biggest chess commentators on, on the planet. Uh, so the fans are going to be still excited. And apparently it was all agreed to. 
And it probably won't be agreed to in the future because they're going to see how crazy the effect, the Hikaru effect is. I mean, he, he does attract a lot of people, but he's draining it directly from people who could be going to them. And so Magnus got upset about it, uh, tweets about it. Uh, and then, well, I'm sure you know, but I'm not sure how many of the viewers are fully aware of what happened yesterday, but, you know, Magnus makes a chess.com account and pretends like it's chess 24, right? Like he has the whole overlay, overlay set up. And I, I think it was like some sort of troll, right? It was like, you know, some very high IQ, 2,800 rated trolling by Magnus, which I don't understand as a measly I am, but I just don't get it. That's what I didn't understand is like, it wasn't even that funny. And and I, I think most people would agree. And they just, I, I didn't understand what, what exactly he was trying to, to prove. And he was insulting Twitch and he was insulting, you know, emotes and, I have to. I have to admit, Levy. I was so. I didn't watch the whole thing. Right. I watched for like twenty five minutes, but I was there for the emo. I enjoyed the emo. Um, yeah. Because yeah, like, when I turn on Twitch, I was like a forty three year old man, and there's just like <laughs> frogs jumping off the screen, smiley <laughs> faces. I'm just like, all right, you know. I, I love chess, but uh, you know, different people are interested in different aspects of chess, and I'm not then, so interested in the frog. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta read up on your papegas and your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Your, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's Twitch, you know. Um, it's Twitch. It's a completely different world for what we're used to in chess, and I just didn't understand what the point was. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Maybe there shouldn't. It, it was all for fun. It was all, but part of me doesn't doesn't see it that way. I really feel like he was, it was some message trying to be sent at someone and I, and I can't put my finger on, on, on what it is or who it is or, so that's what I mean for the foreseeable like future for the rest of the year. I don't necessarily see it any, uh, getting any, any better per se, but yeah, in the long term, I, you know, I would like a world where everybody gets along, but uh, I, I'm not so sure it's going to happen when you have, you know, two complete Goliaths, uh, you know, signing talent and then creating content, doing broadcast, doing commentary and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, maybe, maybe having two of them is, is good ultimately for all of us for business. And yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I guess just to, to clarify a bit more, even if it's, if there's still tension, but it's just simmering rather than boiling, I'd be cool with that. I just don't like it when there's like open, you know, uh, yeah, fair. open back and forth, you know, fair, you know, I didn't die. I, I asked for too much money, although that's pretty normal in just about any sport, right? Like people yeah. want more money in their contract. People want more money. Yeah. So it's, and it does get aired out publicly. And um, yeah. I don't know. So, so what Levy's referring to is like uh, kind of earlier in this saga, uh, Magnus, Magnus during the FIDE team event that was uh, run in conjunction with chess.com that Magnus didn't play in. Um, he didn't, uh, he didn't play. And then it was a little unclear why he didn't play. And then chess.com put out a statement saying that he was offered the same conditions and he turned it down after Magnus sort of made it sound like it wasn't offered. So anyway, that's kind of how this sort of started, but as yeah, the, I think we should move on. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. um, so let's, let's talk some, some chess improvement, Levy. I got a great question from a new supporter mm-hmm. of the podcast, Dan B. So Dan, thank you for the support. Um, for, for listeners who don't know, um, as, as a fellow, uh, digit, what is it? Digital beggar? <laughs> Did, digital panhandler. As a fellow digital panhandler, um, for people who support the show, they find out the guests in advance and Dan B sent in a great question for Levy. So here we go. He says, um, 
He says, hi, Levy. I'm a big fan of your stream, fellow New Yorker, upstate though. I wonder if you might talk a bit about improvement for very low rated adult players. Of course, there's a lot of improvement advice online and on YouTube, Twitch for players 1200 and up. But when asked about how very low rated players can improve, there isn't much out there for people who understand basic tactics and all the rules and basic mates, etc., but can't seem to avoid them on the defensive side in games and rarely get to use them themselves. Basically, you're told to get your blunders under control. John Bartholomew says, if you can't stop hanging pieces and mate, you can't improve. I agree. The problem is I can't stop. I'm about a thousand on chess.com and 600 USCF. Um, never won or drew an OTB rated game. LOL. Any advice for improvement at very low levels? Sure. Well, it's a, obviously a very good question uh, because a lot of, especially right now, a lot of fans are coming into the game uh, and, and even in my own Twitch channel are asking me, Hey man, like, what do I do? Like I, where do I even start? You know, what do yeah. I even get once I know how the pieces move and they're going to get to that level of course um I mean and I I didn't do any preparation for this question so so this is how I would separate this uh break it down into online and over the board because there could just be a complete disparity in your level of play on both of those now assuming that those are the same we're not going to kind of analyze you play hundreds of points higher on one platform versus the other uh, the best advice that I can give you, besides you know doing um, you know tactics and all this stuff, do specialized positions. So really get a concept down, uh, like pins. You know you can do. There's books out there where you can drill hundreds. And I'm, I'm sorry that that is the painstaking approach that basically all of us had to take. Um, so these things become a little bit more second nature. You know you, you you pick up on pins much faster. You pick up on the forking pattern of a knight move, which as a beginner can be very tricky, especially if the knight goes to the left a little bit differently than you were potentially anticipating. Um, and what I did for my students, they're, they're scholastic kids, but these, these, these kind of work, uh, worksheets were really good. You're about to make a move. So before you make a move, obviously, you know, you're, you're supposed to look for your own checks, captures, and attacks. You have to look at them for your opponent. So I want to make a certain move can they check me? Can they capture me? Um, and can they attack anything? And at the elementary level, that's going to be a one move mistake. You know, you're going to play a move. They can take, they can take that piece that you just moved, or they can take another piece, which as a result of your last move, they could take really try to like go in on that one point. Um, and I think over the course of time and, and, and sufficient amount of games, you, you also have to receive feedback from the right place. So analyzing with an engine is great, but you're going to get to a spot where you have no idea why a certain move was good or bad. And it can really be helpful to have a training partner of some sort uh, who's stronger than you, who can give you some advice. Uh, you don't necessarily even need to get a coach. I mean, right now there's all sorts of coaches around the world for very, very cheap. So $15, $20 an hour, uh, even $10. Uh, but all of this Twitch stuff, I mean, there are so many communities out there that they just want a friend to play online, even if it's like five, 600 points disparity, you know, talk to that friend. And that's probably the best advice that I can give. Um, I mean, you know, worst comes to worst, you just don't play chess, <laughs> right? If like, if everything doesn't work, <laughs> you just can't, you know, you can't do it. But I, I think you can. I, I, I always believe that anybody can get consistently to a thousand and then past that, you have to start adding new layers to your game. Two to three move combinations, both for yourself and for your opponent. But it's the same process. A lot of mechanical practice. Yeah, great advice. And Dan B., thank you for the honest question, because so many people 
I mean, I feel like we highlight so many people's accomplishments on this show, but everyone struggles too in chess. It's a, it's a totally, it's a big part of the process, no matter what your level is. Um, and yeah, tactics and repetition. I would just echo what, what Levy says. I mean, it's, it's grunt work, you know, um, playing is so fun, but, but improving is, is a lot of grunt work. And Dan, even read it to even reading your question, it kind of resonated with me because I've been trying to, to, I've been trying to sharpen up my game after a lot of time away and I'm trying to even get better at blitz, which was never sort of my specialty. And I, I just keep hanging one thing per game. Like even at the used to be 2200 now 2100 level, like it never fully goes away. So it's, yeah, it'll never go a hundred percent away, but if you do tactics, it can get better. Yeah. And I mean, I will say like, just specifically, you said 2100, uh, at that level, uh, Openings are like your, in my opinion, your your greatest asset. Uh, you can really destroy some 22, 23, 2400 level players just having your openings like super, super down. Uh, you know, openings that don't even require a tremendous amount of memorization. Um, that's what helped me. Like when I came back to chess as a, okay, I was a teenager, but uh, I was 2000. And what got me over, over 21 and 2200 was just as bulletproof of, of an opening repertoire uh, as I could build. Uh, and I just recently recorded on Twitch and also on YouTube, like a guide. It's called you know Gotham Chess Guide, where I started a thousand. I played blitz games with commentary and I got up to 2200. And man, even at 2200, I mean, people are losing in the first 10, 15 moves to some of these opening ideas that, yes, I'm playing as an IM, but in the right hands and with some you know good memorization, good practice, uh, people really fall apart when they don't get positions that they're comfortable in. Yeah, it's good advice. It's just... It- Again, that can be a, a large undertaking depending on of your course. starting point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it can be good to have at least one or two. Like if you catch someone in one or two lines, at least you're going to get them, you know? Like that's a good starting point. And I would say I'm probably – I have openings where I feel comfortable, you know, openings where I definitely have a higher chance of winning. But I don't – I right now don't have a repertoire where they're just like DOA, you know, because mm-hmm. of the opening. And that would be nice for sure. Um, and uh, Levy, uh, Dan had one more question. Um, okay. So Dan's second question is, um, he said, if there's time for, for another dumb one from a beginner, and Dan, no such thing as a dumb question. Um, he says, if I'm, not, if I'm not using a tool like Chessable, how does one actually set up a repertoire like Levy's courses? I have Chessbase 15, and I see that there's a functionality for setting up your black and white repertoire databases, but it isn't obvious how to use them. Chessbase is very opaque to beginners, and their help documents aren't very helpful. How does a journeyman chess player set up and study their repertoire? John Hartman started a YouTube series on how to use Chessbase, but it was only a few episodes. Thanks, you're a great streamer, and thanks to Ben for the awesome show. And thank you, Dan. But anyway, take it away, <laughs> Levy. Uh, well, uh, thank you for the kind words. I'm going to focus on that first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to be totally honest. I am probably not the greatest person to ask this question to. I can try to give you an answer, uh, but I hate also, you know, rambling on a subject I, I, I don't know about and then potentially pointing you in the wrong direction. So the way I use Chessbase is I have, um, I have Megabase, right? So I, I bought a database a couple of years ago and I update it on a weekly basis. And what that is, is all the highest level games in the world. And then I combine that uh, to show what's most popular, what's hot, like what variations are getting played, what year they've been played. That also really helps because if you see something's been played 10 times in the past month, it's probably a good line. You know, that's probably something that you should look at. Uh, as a 1000, I, 
I, I think it's kind of hard to use chess base. Like I think chess base is just one of these kind of staple chess programs that exists uh, for, you know, the players that are going to use it for many, many hours. Uh, there's a way you can do training mode where you load in the PGN and then kind of go through move by move. And then you have written annotations. Like that's how I made my, all my PGN files. Uh, so, you know, you kind of go move by move. You have this big board. You say, okay, well, this move is played and let me read the reason why. Um, but some moves don't have reasons written because that would you can't write a reason for every single move. Uh, so the best thing to do is incorporate some sort of video component, you know, like the openings courses now, including my own, I have like a brief chapter of a video and then you can start playing around with the positions. Uh, you can use different platforms, you know, chess.com, Lee chess. There's different PGN readers out there where you make an opening study, you just add all your chapters and go through all the moves mechanically. But that's, you know, that's as good of an answer as, as I think I can give. There might be some specialized tools out there. Uh, I've used something called chess position trainer in the past, but that was like strictly memorization. So, you, you know, at, at, at a 1000 level, you're going to need to know why moves are played, not just remembering them because you'll try to play that move in a different position and you'll get checkmated. <laughs> so, um, you know, you kind of have to understand the position just beyond memorizing the moves. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's helpful. You know, I hope that's helpful, but yeah, I, I have a few things to add. Like you, Levy, I don't consider myself a huge authority on this, but um, one, I, I've come, I mean, chess based, like, you know, uh, their place in history is chess history is well deserved. And, um, you know, they, it's amazing the amount of research you can do on it. But I, I have mentioned before that I don't find the, the program all that intuitive. I have figured out a couple things since the last time I complained about it, um, which is, I mean, you can just make a separate little database for every opening. Um, so you just go like file new and create a new database. And then you have like your, your Scotch database, your Sicilian database and so on and so forth. And then definitely I would echo what Levy says about replay training, which is kind of like uh, mimicking what Chessable does uh, in terms of like you guess the move. So that can be a way to sort of test yourself. Um, through chess space, but honestly, Dan, as a as someone who's uh, you know below a thousand USCF, I don't think you should be spending a lot of time um, either on your openings or in chess space. If you do use chess space, I would use it to to do something like look at their um, you know famous historical chess games using replay training. But in terms of like drilling openings, I would be doing more of the chess tactics that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you need you know you you should go for the setup based openings like. London or like a King's Indian setup where you can kind of absentmindedly play the first 10 moves even. Uh, and and it, it doesn't even mean that, you know, it doesn't mean you're lazy. It just means that you, you can't work on 20 components of your game at the same time. You need to focus on what where you're struggling, make the openings a bit easier. And once you get to a level where you're getting fine positions from the opening now, now different things are going wrong in the middle game. Um, you know, you train that, that gets better. Okay, then you can go back and add like a, a couple different openings uh, to your repertoire, but you don't need to spend hundreds of dollars on repertoires from anywhere. Uh, people on my stream ask me like, what, you know, what, what rating is your course for? I, I'm not trying to sell everybody the thing. I'm like, you know, 1200, if you're 1200, you're already at a decent enough level. I think at that point you're memorizing things is going to be easier. You'll see the effect of it at 900 people are playing H5, A5. Like, you know, they're still, they're still kind of freestyling it. So, yeah. um, so what repertoires? You have an E4 one, right, Levy? 
Yeah, so for, with white, it's e4, uh, and you know the Vienna, the Vienna Gambit, so not playing knight f3, uh, really delaying knight f3, sometimes not playing it at all. Uh, a3 and b3 Sicilian, those are the those are some fun variations, I got to tell you. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, just at the 16, 1700 level, people literally have never seen these lines. So at my level, people have seen them a little bit. But I still win games in 15 moves against 2,700 rated Grandmasters. Wow. So um, I, I know I love it. You know, two knights French, B3 French, like nothing in the main lines. Just going for positions that are unique to you, don't require a lot of memorization. Um, and with black E6, B6. So E6, B6 against everything, except one G3, because that move kind of poses a problem. You cannot play B6 against that move. Yes, okay. Um, but... Uh, yeah, um, setup-based stuff. You know, positions have overlap. There's overlapping themes, and uh, just to make it easier for folks to you know to memorize. And, and the feedback has been great. Like people, um, I have a Discord, which is, uh, I, I believe you know what a Discord is, but it's kind of like you know a bit of a social platform for content creators, mostly on Twitch, uh, YouTube as well. And it's just kind of like a like a f- trendy new way to, to hang out with folks online and uh, people post their games. I give them feedback on their games, just, you know, offhand, like, Hey, like that was good, but you did this wrong or great game or horrible game. Don't ever play like that again. Actually, frankly, don't ever post a game here again. Right. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't even come to my stream. Yeah. You just, just leave like <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, but um, stuff like that, like, you know, constant feedback, being part of a good community that, that, that makes you want to play the game. Super important. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, I like that you're like, uh, you know, hardcore avoiding theory, like from move one with everything. Um, I, I, yeah, it speaks to me. Um, although maybe that's why I can't, you know, maybe that's why I can't get my rating back to where it was. Um, but okay. So Levy, before we let you go, you up for a few fun questions before we, we get you out of here? Absolutely. I love fun questions. Okay. So the first one, getting back to your interview with Sam Copeland, I had to follow up on this one. Uh-huh. Um, you said uh, you were a wild kid and you got kicked out of uh, Arthur Yusupov's chess camp for misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I did. You want the story? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So Artur Yusupov, for those of you that don't know, is obviously, you know, the student of Mark Dvoretsky, um, who passed, unfortunately, I believe a, a last year, a couple of years ago. Uh, I think Artur at his peak was, I don't know, top 10 in the world. He might he might have been like top five. I, I'm not a chess I think historian. he was. Yeah, I think he was top five. He might have even been like something crazy, like number three. That's, you know? my, um, that's what was in my head. But anyway, go yeah, on. But, so I, I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to, you know, say yeah. some complete nonsense. So Artur had a good relationship with uh, the International Chess Academy uh, in Bergen County, New Jersey, which is where I grew up. And I went there and, um, you know, I didn't really have a consistent coach as a kid. I just kind of played a lot of chess on World Chess Live. <laughs> Shout out to the old days, uh, Blitzen. Um, and oh, I cannot tell you how many times I got banned from Blitzen or muted for talking trash, man, as a 12-year-old or an 11-year-old, <laughs> which is why like, sometimes I take all these new kids with like a little bit of, you know, I get it. I've been there. Um, and yeah, I was, a, I was a nightmare in summer camp with our tour uh, because I was the, I believe I was the highest rated by a couple hundred points and I just would finish things. I'd tell all the other kids the answers. I'd argue with our tour. I'd foul kids in soccer recess. Oh my god! Um, yeah, I was just a. I was. I was a handful. You know, I was a talented chess player, but man, I was a. I was a shitty kid. Uh, and you know, 
when you're nine, it's like you have factors for why that is. It could have been a whole you know host of different things, like <laughs> not not the healthiest of households, you know. Um, but uh, I was kicked out. I think he literally said it's either him or me, and it was not me. Let me tell you that. You it know? Was, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was not him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was not him, I should say. Man, I mean, but to to argue with Yusupov as a nine-year-old, that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Although, like you say, I get it. I mean, I you know, that wasn't my personality, but as a teacher, you certainly see it. And what you say about like, you know, you never know what's going on at home. You never know like what what other things are, you know, troubling people. It's it's very I found that to be true as well. You know, you gotta gotta give everyone uh the benefit of the doubt. Yes, exactly. You, I mean, kids, kids are very rarely a certain way unless there's something else going on. Uh, I mean, I, I have met kids that are, have a very loving household and are just absolute disasters. Uh, but even those kids, you know, like you, you, you got to look long term. Uh, kids don't stay the same forever. And, uh, you know, they, they grow out of it. They mature and everything. So uh, you got to, especially as a teacher, I've taught, I don't know, thousands of students over the years. So got to just be positive. Yeah, makes sense. Although let's let's leave the positivity right there because my next question is Greg, Greg Shahadi chimed in on Twitter and said, uh, "Who would have won if you and I faced off in the I'm Not a GM Chess.com Championship?" So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be totally honest. Uh, I I think if we just played casually, you know, not in this any any sort of stakes event, um, I think I would I would have the upper hand in in definitely in bullet. And that's not a dig at Greg at all. Uh, I will talk some trash and say that I would smoke him in blitz. Um, but I learned, uh, quite a bit about myself as a competitor uh, over the last few years in chasing my GM title. And I think a lot of that came out uh, when I played against Teddy Coleman, I, I really like froze up in that match. I was not seeing a, a damn thing and nerves like were, were a huge part of that. Uh, I was taking way too much time on decisions. Uh, and I actually think that if I had gone up against Greg, uh, he would have beat me in, in, in that event. I, I think I would have lost to almost all of the participants in the quarterfinals. It didn't really matter who you paired me against. Um, so that's something I have to work on. I that's definitely have a bit of a mental block, yeah. But if we play uh, casually, Greg's dead. Nice. All right. I'll accept that as um, reasonable trash talk against Greg. I mean, he's probably not going to listen to this anyway, but maybe someone will tell him about it. But, I mean, that's interesting what you say, because I was thinking, you know, I, I watched it as much as I could, and I was thinking I would be super nervous. Like, it's – and, I mean, there's a few thousand people watching, which is a lot. But then again, like, you've announced for thousands of people, you know, thousands of people listen to this podcast. So it's not like we're, we're not used to, um, you know, uh, having an audience – but there's something about performing, about playing chess under those circumstances that I think I would also struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. And also just knowing you're not in great shape. Like I, I know for a fact I'm not in, in P form right now. I haven't worked on my openings that that extensively. And throughout the course of the match, I was just like, wow, I'm getting outprepared and outplayed like on a consistent basis. And I had like a couple hours to cool off. Like right after that was done, um, I I took like one of these new electric scooters that we have here around uh, Brooklyn uh, to, to get like a midnight sandwich with my girlfriend to just kind of cool off and think about the match. And uh, it sucks. I just feel like I could have done so much stuff differently. And in the moment, you just don't have any of that uh, in, in one of those events. So hats off to the people who, who made it, you know, as far as they did. John Bartholomew is just, is just ridiculously strong. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know why he's not a GM. It's He's just, I don't know. Yeah, especially at, uh, especially at Blitz. I mean, he's just such a natural. He's so, I mean, he's so good at all three of those time controls. And 
so level-headed. It's uh, in his openings and his end games. I liked uh, in the post-game interview with Greg Shahadi. He he said uh, he said um, you know Greg played really well, especially in the opening and uh, what do you say? Especially in the opening and the middle game. <laughs> so <laughs> so draw your own conclusion about <laughs> where he thinks Greg was weakest. Um, and obviously John, having done the hundred game end games, you must know like that stuff makes a big difference. In, yeah. in a match like that. No, absolutely. John has a, a lot of exposure in um, all sorts of different chess ventures. And although it doesn't necessarily always help for classical, I feel like, yeah, the 100 end games you must know. And just being around the game for so long, so much experience. I like I, I would have loved to have made it through to play him, but I, I did not think that match would have gone that great for me. Yeah, uh, Greg, Greg uh confided to me even like right when the tournament started john might be a problem but i I, I can now reveal um all right uh i think this is maybe the last question from jen chahadi uh who also chimed in on twitter and asked um if you had to kick and she says she claims it's a serious question she said if you had to kick off kick one piece off of the chessboard for both sides and still have a great game of chess which would it be i assume she means the same piece for both sides and if you're allowed to pick a pawn instead does your answer change was a fascinating question and i i really feel bad because i feel like i have like some sort of de- like developmental challenge when it comes to creative chess questions like i don't get them and i don't know how to answer i don't even know how to like think about them so, <laughs> so i i i i i thought back to my my days i i don't remember where i played this but the the game mode where like you have two kings each and one you can use to capture something you know what i'm talking about yeah that was going to be a bad answer because Jen, you know, Jen is a huge ambassador for women's chess. Like I can't kick the Queens off the board. Like what, right. what kind of answer is that? Uh, but that game, that game mode was a lot of fun. Cause it was like, you know, you get to sacrifice your King. Um, if I had to kick a piece off the board, uh, let's, let's go with the F one F eight Bishop, because okay. I feel like a lot of, uh, King weakness motifs go away. Something like that. I don't know. Interesting. I, I yeah, I thought about it too, and I I came up with what I considered to be a boring answer, which is like the A one and A eight rooks, just because I sort of settled on that would maybe change the game the least out of uh, any of the back row pieces. But yeah. uh, see, you want to change it the least, then I want to change it the most. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I do yeah. think queens would change it the most, but I, I get yeah. that uh, you, you can't do that to Jen. Um, yeah. Okay. So Levy, I think that's that's the main topics I wanted to cover. Is there anything else you, um, you, you would like to get out there before we let you get to, I know you're going to hop on and stream after we record tonight, which is crazy to me. Yeah. I've been on a horrible sleep schedule. As I told you before we went live, I think I have to eat something. I don't remember the last time I ate food. It was sometime in the afternoon and then there was a nap involved. Yeah. So might, might want to do that before you stream for six hours. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad though. You know, I've got, uh, Man Bonovich, international master Alex <laughs> who's currently currently grinding away in the blitz. I mean, I feel bad. Like people just don't know him. So since he's not a familiar face, they they don't stick around. Um one before I go, I'll just say that one of the saddest things as a streamer is when you boot up a stream and you lose a few followers because they get a notification that you're live and they go, Why the hell did I follow this guy again? <laughs> I was drunk or something. Like that's <laughs> no other channel. Yeah. All these big channels, you know, Alexandra, Chesbra, like Hikaru, Rosen, they're constantly getting more and more. And I'm one of these bums that goes live and people are like, what? <laughs> my my brother must have signed me up for this channel. I'm <laughs> out of here. Like, so, yeah, that's kind of. I, I don't believe it for a second. 
no, no, it, I was watching it happen <laughs> live as it was going. I was like, oh my God. But, you know, and, and yeah, what, uh, last thing before, before Levy goes, just, um, to be clear what he's talking about, I had mentioned before we were recording that his friend, I am Alex Ostrowski was on his stream. Cause I turned it on like an hour before we were supposed to record this interview. So every once in a while he has a guest streamer and for the record, Alex was, was doing great. I mean, he was dropping some opening knowledge and he had some good music playing and it, it was all, it was all good, but. Alex is great. I'm, I'm of the firm belief that this guy is uh, the best coach uh, in New York city. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's, he's incredible. He works with so many, so many talented students. Like I went to world cadet last year, you know, to teach team USA. And there's no reason why Alex couldn't be on every single team USA coaching roster. So I'll end my, uh, I'll end my time today by giving him a shout out. Uh, and my wonderful, uh, my wonderful girlfriend, Lucy. So she's, uh, she learned to play chess about a year ago and she's like 900. And, um, you know, she also struggles with some, some of the stuff we talked about today, like, you know, frustrating, repetitive mistakes or, or not, or not feeling some progress. And, uh, for all of you out there, like if you like chess, just stick to it. And I think using the right resources and having a good mindset, only good things can happen, but don't stream. Yeah. Don't stream. <laughs> like, <I'm> not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah. And Lucy, you annotated one of Lucy's games on uh, Gotham chess on your YouTube channel. So just hot off the presses. So people can check <laughs> yeah. that out as well. But Levy, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. So um, good luck with uh, continued success with your streaming and um, all of your other business ventures. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. And um, I look forward to the future guests of the podcast. Oh, thanks, Levy. Have a good night. You too. Special thanks, as always, to my producer, Matthew Passy, And thanks to those who continue to help spread the word about Perpetual Chess. Positive reviews on podcast platforms and YouTube help people discover the show as does telling a friend or sharing it on social media. Speaking of which, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Beneficial1, or join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group and continue the conversation about the latest interview. But most of all, of course, I want to thank those who provide financial support to the show, especially right now with so much disruption going on in the world. Most of all, I want to thank Chessable for sponsoring the show and to everyone who kicks in via PayPal or the Perpetual Chess Patreon page to help sustain and improve Perpetual Chess. And without further ado, I would like to give special thanks to the following people and entities. Chessable, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, Apprentice Twitch Channel, Andrew Alharjri, Andrew Bach, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, Chris Flanagan, Dan O'Hanlon, Danny Davidson, David Driver, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen. Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Greg Natal, Greg Shahadi, Guven Manet, James Kennedy, Jen Scream, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromarty, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, Lucio Casada Silva, the law officers of Stuart Katz, Michael Kahn, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Moonmaster 9000, you recently stopped your pledge, but Perpetual Chess will always love you. The famous Mr. Dodgy, Peter Zhodi, Reuven Fisher, Seattle Chess Club, Thomas Stonix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryan of Strong Chess, Todd Kennedy, and I also would like to thank the following people. Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, FM Andre Terakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Anidi Deer, Better Chess Training, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, Chad Hilton, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Chris Lott, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, 
Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mollen, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas of U.S. Chess, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Blaskacek, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Daylin Shelton, Dirk Decker, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ethan Smith, Ian Mason, I Am Elect, Donnie Ariel, or possible not I Am Elect, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letarte Lavoie, Frank Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barter, Giovanni Russo, Greg Harfst, Han Schut, Harish Srinivasan, Jacob Kovac, Jacques Pari, James Aspinwall, James Benastia, James Murr, Jason Woolham, JD Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Holland, Jerry Wells, Jim Ratliff, JJ Schnod, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, Jordan Goodwin, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joe Rocky, John Thompson, Grandmaster Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katerina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Kapala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Ryforth, Laura Belyowski, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Miguel Araspidi, Mike Clem, Mr. Mike Shahadi, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Salin, Neil Bruce, Negmat Malajanov, Olaf Mueller-Michaels, GM Pascal, Charbonneau, Posse Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randall Temple, Ricky Grahava, Richard Hollenbuck, Robert Turner, Roy Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwalder, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatia of Abrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, Wayne Beam, William Brock, William Juniper, William Hogarth, William Peterson, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and last but never least, Zivko Stoyanov. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you guys soon. Podcast Network.